everyone, and welcome back to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. Today, we have resident ensemble member Cody Beyer, who is facilities manager and technical director here at the Commonweal. Who is Cody Beyer? We saw him in Bernhardt Hamlet, where he played Edmund Restand. We saw a mace craft by him on the set of Death Trap. We saw his scenic design in Jekyll and Hyde. But who is he really? What has crafted him into the artist he is now? Who is Cody Byer? You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Cody, who is the facilities tech director and facilities, facilities director. Cody does so much here, <laughs> which is why we wanted him to join us on this episode. Yeah, welcome, Cody. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we kind of wanted to start off with like how you got into theatre and how you got exposed to theater, both as an actor and as a technician, and how you are, why you're in both of those worlds. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I got into theater. I guess the really the, a lot of the credit goes towards my eighth grade English teacher, who, when we were reading The Hobbit in class, just noticed all of my voices for every single character. <laughs> And was like, you're going to do drama next year. And, I was, and it was not on my radar at, and she, at all. And she was like, yeah, you're going to do drama next year. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and yeah, so that's what got me into it. And then being me and wanting to just know everything, that's what um, I would say when I got into the class was, I mean, super excited about everything acting-based. But mm-hmm. then as like the very first tech process, of like I'm just very much a helper. I need to be helping at all times. And so for my high school, we constructed the show, the, the I mean the stage, the curtains, hung all the lights, everything for every show and struck it for every show. It was oh, in our yeah. it was in our gymnasium. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just like crash course on hanging lights, hanging curtains, building a stage. And I was always there. Uh, yeah, for that parts for mm-hmm. for you know building building the scenic when when possible, um, but really just hanging and focusing of all the lights and hanging all the curtains and getting um, acquainted with that side of the tech world and then being in the shows all the way through my high school career, um, and which awarded me what is the title? It's very lofty. Uh, I am a part of the the international honors thespian. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm the wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the like you know, I was one of the only one. Or I guess I was the only one in my senior class that she, my uh, drama teacher was going through all the all the levels. Everybody and then was like had to skip a couple to me. I was like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, just you know went to study or not studied auditioned for um, several. Uh, colleges and universities one of them like New York Film Academy had accepted me and I was looking at that one and I guess it all boiled down to I was weighing the choice between New York Film Academy and University of Tennessee Mm. and I uh, went and toured at University of Tennessee and just so happened that 
the person who's giving me the tour, which they normally would never do, happened to be the head of the graduate program there, and who had also just recently moved from New York and had like a really good line of the pulse of like, you can do, and was very honest with me, of like, you can go to New York, you can study at the New York Film Academy, this is what you will get. You can come here, this is what you will get. You, you know, you either learn how to act, and that's it, or you can learn how to be an actor, which was kind of how he press, uh, presented it, because in his ideology, and also mine, of like a good actor has to know the other parts of the world, otherwise they can't tell the story. No matter how much technique they have, if you don't know, you know, we all took accounting 101, and that gives us just a little bit of like, oh wow, the accountant's life is very much in the books right. and structured, and like that's just a little bit of a glimpse of different careers that you don't get in the, the BFA program. Not that BFA programs are not wonderful. Um, but yeah, so that was how what kept me in there, and then um, I guess in college, I guess I went a little bit more away from the tech side while I was in school and was more acting, but also at the same time for credits was taking the, you know, scenic and mm -hmm. costuming and lights and all that. And so I still had my toes in the sand, ears on the ground. Um, and then in the latter half of that, of college, of my college career, me and my friends started designing and building each other's shows. Same, oh, nice. same with uh, kind of lighting and sound design also, just for the for the student-run programs, mm -hmm. or the student-run shows in the latter half. And then, yeah, continued to build through, through, when I moved to Chicago, that was part of my, when I wasn't acting, I would be looking for TD jobs to help build somebody's sets in, in and around Chicago to try to keep the networking up, and that pivoted that allowed me to get into like a woodworking job during the pandemic which kind of kept me alive move uh, and and then yeah now I'm here it's all a crash course <laughs> <laughs> what type of theaters did you work at in Chicago like what type of uh, theater were you doing yeah so my the the theater that I worked with mainly, um, which was acted and built with, which was called Theater Y, who they still operate in Chicago. They pivoted the kind of shows that they do a lot in the, since the years that Lori and I were actually a part of it. But they still have a good big focus on um, intimate theater, and uh, it's um, um, has been influenced heavily from uh, Eastern European theater mm -hmm. and, and their styles of how they tell stories. Mm -hmm is just very very raw really like no fourth wall look really actively making connections with the audience and and just being really 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 audience and taking that as a as a as a um as a base to tell all stories from and now they're they're doing more community-based stuff um still still a cool company but not not quite what Lori and i had gotten involved with so that was one um, usually really abstract sets. I, I hung a crazy circle in the air, like a full, fully suspended circle in the air in a storefront space that I was very much testing the limits of the structural. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was a little nervous. <laughs> um, that was probably the crazy... Oh, yeah, and then I, uh, we, for the same space, for stories of a show called Stories of the Body, I created a functioning bathroom no in, way. On stage, <laughs> which was nuts. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was really nuts. 
and then I, I did a, a faux, the scenic designer and I kind of like collaborated and like, what can we do as a curtain? Because so we created what would be, what was like a traveler, but it was out of um, really heavy, dark plastic. So it, was, it really mm. kind of felt, it just felt grimy and great. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so that's one, one theater. Another one that I built for is called Helena Handbag Productions. Um, they primarily, well not primarily, they specialize in uh, drag spoofs. Which is wonderful. <laughs> that is so fun. Yeah, they they really uh, the artistic director David Serta, uh, he's fucking hilarious, and, and he for the longest time was for the longest time was the only writer. I think they have a couple other people doing it now, but um, would take Golden Girls and uh, uh, any of the seventies and sit, good huge sitcoms and just write a spoof and then put it in a drag show and then just they they just one of them got picked up and was done off off broadway um wow. and premiered yeah so good stuff they make really hilarious things can't recommend them enough when you go to chicago look them up hell in a handbag theater um and then i did a couple of like one-off jobs for uh it's called facility theater um, which Lori was working at, and, and they just needed a builder, so I came in and helped them build for a day. Uh, and yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Oh my God, you so. talking about all of that <laughs> makes me miss storefront theater so bad. Absolutely. <laughs> so is the facilities theater how you met Lori, or how did you meet? Uh, no, Lori and I met at um, in rehearsal for, and I'm gonna break the rule because we're in a theater, for oh. Macbeth, um, I don't really ascribe to that superstition as much. But anyway, for Macbeth, we so then that was with Theater Y, um, that company. Mm -hmm. So it actually, in our first year of getting to Chicago, pretty much both of us, um, she had auditioned and then and you know got in through the process more traditionally and I forget what the reason was I had to go out of town or something that I, I wasn't able to make the auditions but then the director um, who's a French director was in and was also doing workshops a little bit later on in the spring so I got in on the workshops and a couple of us from the workshop got pulled into the process oh, nice. which was awesome mm -hmm. um, and yeah and then we met day day one of rehearsal I was with someone else um, so that, that didn't happen for a long time <laughs> our, our relations didn't occur for several years but became good friends right away and did three four shows four shows with that company nice amazing yeah. and then so what was the trajectory of you being brought to the common wheel yeah so the trajectory of the common wheel was is a little bit of a story of the pandemic um you know i would say a year and a half ago Lori and i were both kind of taking a stark look at our lives and well, I guess a year and a half ago, maybe more like two years ago, because we knew about the Commonwealth at that point. Anyway, about two years ago, um, it we were both looking at our lives like, well, I guess we're not doing theater anymore, and kind of making that decision and trying to figure mm -hmm. out what that looked like and how that was going to happen. And then Rachel and Josiah, who um, you know, Rachel's no longer with the Commonwealth at the moment, but Josiah uh, Laubenstein. I can never yeah, say his name right. Uh, sorry, Josiah, <laughs> if that was wrong. Um, <laughs> um, Josiah, who were both company members, uh, reached out to Lori because Josiah was in Lori's grad class at the University of South Carolina, 
and um, Rachel was in the class right beneath them or two years beneath them, one of the two. Um, so, you know, they've known each other for a really long time and kept kept in touch, came and visited us in Chicago a few times. And then, yeah, so we've been here for a year. So two years ago, they contacted uh, Lori and was like, so I don't know how you feel about it, but, you know, we have two company members who are going to be leaving. And if, if you were interested in coming to do theater here, we'd you know love to have you. So... Then it was just kind of like Lori and I sat on that for a week and was like, well, I mean, what's the harm? Let's go audition. Why not? And then we're offered it before we left the, we're offered positions here before we left the grounds that day. So, and then we just kind of took another week and like, yeah, here we go. Let's go. Let's do it. And we came and visited in February. So it was beautifully cold (laughs) (laughs) and snow everywhere, of course. Um, But, you know, it's fine. I mean, huge huge transition and difference from yeah, Chicago obviously I, mm-hmm. uh, I mean we were just recently able to go back there and you know both of our hearts are like oh we love this city so much which is very true and, and hard to not miss it when we're there and, yeah. and even when we're not there mm-hmm. but yeah this place is amazing beautiful and we feel very fortunate to be able to make theater and be salaried actors and theater professionals very cool yeah especially after you guys being like I think we're done doing we're done. theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, right. The universe really said, no. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That, it, uh, I have, I had a very similar situation. And mm-hmm. before the pandemic, I was like, I was like, I think this is it for me. Mm-hmm. I think we're call. I think we're calling it. And then I got asked to stage manage a show. And it just was like I just got deeper back into it, Such and yeah, <laughs> now now we're here. Yeah, I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, absolutely. it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely not unique in any way, but it felt like, but for both Lori and I, there was a there was like a, a real rise that started to happen in both of our careers right before the pandemic. And then it was just crashed. And so that, like, I was, I was on track to be going to Hungary to touring a show, um, which was going to be amazing and a dream, a dream of mine, but one day. Uh, (laughs) And then she was on track to be, um, uh, and this still might happen. So this maybe not, uh, is completely dashed, but there was a possibility of her getting, um, put into a touring Sylvia Plath show. I'll let mm-hmm. her tell you more about that, mm-hmm. if that is going to happen in the future or not. But yeah, so that would have been really cool. And that would have been in conjunction with her uh, graduate professor, which just would have been awesome. But yeah, so there was a the pandemic, like many, many artists all over the world, was a big, big thumb yeah. on, our, on our dreams. Wow. And then, yeah, to come, to come out of it, come out of the pandemic and like all right we've already kind of pivoted and pivoted and I was doing web work which still very much enjoy Mm -hmm. like cool yeah let's just keep going down this path and then no maybe not (laughs) (laughs) okay so when you got your offer here Mm -hmm. what was your admin role was it just facilities for here yeah I came in just as facilities manager just taking in the film trying to fill in the shoes of Brandt uh uh, Brand Roberts for longtime listener, listeners who might remember <laughs> him of past a uh, company member um, filling in his shoes and then also they they knew they had known that I'd done some prop work and he was a, 
like props master for the company, so mm-hmm. I could not fill that shoe. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and just kind of came in there, and then Lori filled in for Elizabeth in the grant writing world, and just kind of nestled right into mm-hmm. the the void that was created with them leaving, and even took their house. <laughs> oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah, that's that, so the, funny. The, they moved out literally the morning of the day that we moved in to the same apartment. Wow. The, the, the yellow house on coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So what are some of the things that you do, well, now as TD as well, mm-hmm. um, that surprise you? Or, like, you're like, oh, I didn't know that this would be mine. Or, like, I don't know if I know how to do that. <laughs> well, that's almost daily. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I know how to do that. Let's figure it out. Um, which was something that Hal, actually, when I was working on the front door of the building a few months, out, well, in the spring now, probably. Um, that's funny how time goes. Uh, in the, I was working on the door, and I was up on the ladder, and Hal came out, and he just uh, very earnestly was like, I, you know, I don't want to seem... I don't, I don't want to seem, I don't know, disconnected or something. But he's like, but how do you know how to do all these things? And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I just know, doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. I have a general mechanical and working knowledge of, of how things should happen. And I'm pretty smart with physics. And so that plus Google <laughs> works. <Yeah. laughs> like, There's usually a YouTube video of somebody doing it somehow at least close to what you need to do mm-hmm. you just so have to be true. willing to look through it and watch the video yeah. and not everybody is good at picking it up like that but thankfully I have been mm-hmm. yeah and yeah something that surprised me though here that I didn't I'm trying to think about that that I didn't know would be well something that surprised me would be maybe would be the amount of plumbing <laughs> that's that's happened in my tenure here and I am definitely not a plumber which was something that I said in the interview it was like I can do other things I'm not a plumber um so that would be something we're gonna have to probably hire somebody to bring in not like a company member but a contractor right. to come in and do some work because the building is getting a little tired <laughs> and that's what it is but it's been interesting to learn like um you know how a commercial air air handling unit works Mm. as opposed to you know just residential air handling units and that's a lot easier to kind of get in there and figure out but Mm -hmm. this big system is a it's a whole computer in itself and so that's really interesting yeah yeah so because you do so much at the theater I'm kind of curious to know your process of deciding what role you need to fill in a certain moment. So, like, for example, mm-hmm. you did the set design for Jekyll and Hyde recently, mm-hmm. and then also in Bernhard Hamlet, you played Restand, mm-hmm. Edmund. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you go through your daily job or a rehearsal process or something like that, and how do you decide which hat to wear at what moment? Hmm. Yeah, that's really kind of a daily thing, I would say. Um, you know, it's not like when there's, it was, I would probably say, even though the role was very substantial and very fulfilling, Edmund Rostand, it was maybe easier to navigate the hats for uh, being in the show because it's a lot more of a defined, like, this is when you need to be Edmund, this mm-hmm. is when you don't. Whereas, and so I could kind of like, okay, I am here as an actor. This is all of my focus at this time. And then when I'm not, now I can go and do all these other projects 
to keep the theater living and running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as opposed to the scenic design where it was a little bit more of, well, and a symptom of our production team was stretched very, very thin during that process. Um, but that one was a lot more of like, I can't put any other hat on. I have to be the scenic designer mm-hmm. for this time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we won't have a set for, for Jekyll and Hyde. So that was a little bit interesting and, and stressful in its own right. Um, because you, as the technical director and the facilities manager, you just have all of these projects that are in the back of your head that you know are getting further and further and further and further behind mm-hmm. them as soon as you can't look at them. And then when you have an amazing lighting designer who's also like, mm, yeah, this should be looked at, that should be looked at, this needs to go. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God, <laughs> why does the list keep getting bigger? Um, but an amazing lighting designer. So all things that needed to be looked at and addressed. Um, but yeah, it's really really kind of a day-to-day on, on, on and even intraday, actually. Day-to-day is not the right, hour by hour of which hat <laughs> needs to be put on. Um, thankfully, like right now, in between shows, I'm really, it's easy to navigate facilities and technical director. They're somewhat kind of the same hat. Uh, and we're just trying to get trudged through the backlog of projects that have very much been left by the wayside for several months. Oops. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you handle it as a TD, like when we have like an outside set designer? Like mm-hmm. how do you kind of like fit into that and know so. like when you should be doing something, when the set designer should be doing something? Right, right. I mean, I, in a way, well, not in a way, having a scenic designer who is not me makes the TD job easier because then I can really be more of what the TD is, who is support for the mm-hmm. production team of like, then I, you know, do you need me to be there helping you build, talking to the scenic, des- scenic designer, do you need me to help you or, or do I just be in the room? Can I be ears for Paul if, or the lighting designer or the sound designer? Well, actually, ears for the sound designer and then <laughs> eyes for the lighting designer or hands for the scene designer are able to go ask questions, adjust masking. Um, all of those things really are, are opened up to me when I'm not yeah. the one who has to be thinking about, you know, how does this board look? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would say it, it is easier when, when there's another senior designer, but also at the same time, I was able to, as a senior designer and the tech, technical director, I designed a set with our changeovers in mind. So mm-hmm. that makes the production life of the common wheel throughout the, throughout the, what is this thing that we, rep, throughout rep um, easier also. So mm-hmm. not every senior designer, even though we tell them coming in, like your show is gonna be in rep, design it for that in, in mind, they'll still do that, but if they don't have an intimate knowledge of exactly right. how this space right. is, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to do that successfully all the time. Yeah. Where, you know, I had some feelings about putting my platforms on wheels, and I was like, maybe I should, like, build some kind of cover or something so that the wheels wouldn't be there, and then I just had to get over that, because you might notice them, but then they, they disappear very right. quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who's like fixated on the wheels, they have missed the rest of the show. So that's sad. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's just kind of kind of navigating. And obviously, some scenic designers are easier to work with than others. 
Um, some are more collaborative. Some want to be left alone more. Some are more willing and, and want the, the, the help for, for hands-on. And I, and I understand both sides of that, of like, ooh, I really... I'm not, it's not that I don't trust you to make this cut perfectly, but I need this to be a perfect yeah. cut, so <laughs> I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, like, I, you know, I, I get that navigation. Um, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There's, since there's so much that mm-hmm. it, just the maintenance of the building alone, and, and mm-hmm. just how you said with the building getting a little bit older and stuff like that, if there's one project that, you wish you could just snap your fingers and it would magically be done. Mm-hmm. What project would that be? Mm. <laughs> mm. That. Mm. <laughs> You're going so through a list of five from. to ten. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I might ask you a question, then a follow-up question. Would this maybe be like a something that is? wrong that needs to be fixed or more like maintenance maintenance like 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 preventative maintenance mm-hmm. mm, that's a good do you have an answer for both mm-hmm. okay <laughs> go for it. Uh, uh wrong that needs to be fixed would be i want somebody else to come in and fix the bathroom plumbing because mm-hmm. there's just there's there's some things going on with the sinks in our public restrooms and and also the in the actor's hallway where, where uh, one, there's like a cover underneath the sinks in the large restroom that there's sh- screws that are all messed up. So like I can do that on my own, but the plumbing inside, I just don't, I don't know. And same with the, our water fountains have a little thing that, I don't know, there's something about it. It goes higher pressure and then dies down. And I don't know what that means, uh, but I'll look <laughs> it up. We'll see. Um, yeah, that would be something I'd like to just snap and be fixed. Be and then preventative maintenance maybe would be on the facility side yeah would be that the floor in the events hall was replaced oh yeah (laughs) just easy Mm. done Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay i want (laughs) to jump back a little bit to your time in chicago Mm -hmm. and on the conversation of like hats and stuff yeah um so like in the storefront theaters that you mm-hmm. worked at in Chicago, how did the separation of like work between individuals happen? Because like it 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 was it's was weird for me coming here because like in the storefront theaters that I worked at, it was just like everyone did everything. Yeah. Like our artistic director was also the costume designer and also sometimes the set designer, and you yeah. know like everyone just kind of did everything to keep the building running. So it's like also too, like having, you know, there are multiple hats that I have, I feel like, because there were just things that I had to learn to get shows up. But here, there's people Mm -hmm. for everything. So like, what was, yeah, what was it like in Chicago? Yeah, um, I'd say it varies company to company. Um, Theater Y was a little bit more, was was trying to be everybody does everything but also you know just not everybody is will is able to mm-hmm. to give everything um and so you know i will say a lot of times it ended up being Lori and i they're trying to you know build something or or whatever and like maybe one one off a couple other people but um it was a, it's definitely a lot more um passion driven 
mm. let's say. Yeah, at least in the storefronts that, mm-hmm. that she and I worked with. Uh, well, with Theater Y. With Theater Y, it was a little bit more passion-driven. Like, if you were if you were able to find it in yourself, then, you know, you could kind of be there and helping. But then, you know, not a lot of people are... Not a lot of people have the confidence in themselves that they can learn. Right. So, like, if, they, if they're, if, you know, oh, I don't know how to do that, build something, then it's like, well, but you could maybe have asked and then probably could have done it. Not as fast, but mm-hmm. could have done yeah. it. But I understand not, not wanting to, to impose or, or do it wrong. Completely understand mm-hmm. that. Um, and then, like, but with Helen the Handbag, was a little bit more structured. Like, there's there were people in the company itself in the you know like the artistic director and the, the production stage manager who would kind of be around more and maybe a uh, more able to put themselves in different positions of, of availability to help but primarily it was like you know you're the TD you're going to be building unless you specifically ask that you need help and even then it was it was more like if you need help let me know and I can give you money to hire people to give you help um, as opposed to bringing it, well, there was like load-ins where they would call in, all call, all mm-hmm. the company would come in, you load it in, and then they all, you know, they all leave, which was, that was always good to see. But, yeah, I guess it really does just vary company to company, as opposed to here, where it is structured, but it is still a little bit all hands-on. It's, I don't know, yeah, it's like, it's like everybody has their hats, so it's like, oh, we need the costume, okay, let's bring in Jackie and Jody, and like, oh, we need craft something props let's bring in sarah and adrian and stella let's bring you know Mm -hmm. um it's interesting that yeah that that subtle difference of like it is kind of all hands all hats everybody has their mini hats but or everybody is everybody is willing at almost any time to be called upon but they have their lanes that they Mm -hmm. specialize in which is interesting because again i'm also in four lanes and so yeah as as you are as you both are (laughs) all of this talk about hats (laughs) yeah and you're in jackal right now put on a hat (laughs) put on a hat take off a hat put on some glasses but this is just such a random thing um that i it's a personal like idea that i have that everyone can either can fit into two categories of hats and it's either a beanie or a cowboy hat. And oh, everyone is one or the other. Oh, wow. And you can you can sometimes be like, a cowboy hat with a little mini beanie on the top of it. You know? <laughs> but like, usually it's black and white. So if you... It's a binary. Yeah. What do you, <laughs> you don't love binaries, but if you had to say, Unless it comes to hats. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it comes to hats. And I like oh. I know the, what you are. The only <laughs> <laughs> you don't even get to decide. My well, I'm very curious to hear then. But I would maybe beforehand, what I would say is that I'm feeling like I would be a beanie, except mm. for getting hot. Mm. Oh, okay. That's that would be yeah. the reason why I wouldn't wear beanies. But like usually, if it's just like you know, if if temperature wasn't a factor, and I'm looking at both of those hats, I'm probably gonna go beanie. Um, for me, but now I'm curious. What did you say? Um, I think beanie, okay. but I didn't tie it to a functional way, oh, like a okay. hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking more personality mm, traits. Yeah. And and I think beanie because Definitely. you you know you kind of have this like hipster <laughs> like you 
know, the yeah. long hair, the long beard, hair. the stuff like that. The Beanie Bits. Yeah. Exactly. Beanie Aquarius. Bits that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When I found out that up. when I found out yeah. that both you and Lori were Aquariuses, nothing has ever made more sense ever in life. Because like one of the terms for Aquariuses are like quirky lovers. And I was like, that is hilarious. That's so cute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I also <laughs> have another um, prying question. Oh, fun. Um, out of your time here so far, what would you say are, like, your top three highlights? Like, mm. a design that you really liked or a show that you really liked mm-hmm. acting in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Top three. Well, um, being that I've only been here for a year... This is a little easy, I guess. Uh, well, two of them are. The third, I guess I'm... Well, yeah. I mean, I could just say... Um, hmm, no disrespect to the White Knight and Alice, because it was a very <laughs> fun role. But probably... Well... Hmm, it's hard to... Sp- Top three highlights in no specific order. That's mm-hmm. what I'll say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmund Rostand for Bernhard Hamlet. That was, uh, I mean, at this point, that was, that's definitely the most significant role for me that I've been able to play in my acting career, which was really cool. Wow. Um, just, and, and one that I went into the process not really understanding how significant it would be, which was another reason why it was cool. It was like, wow, this guy was not on my radar at all when we read them the fall beforehand and they were like send us your artistic preferences or your your casting preferences and i did not even put him on my list of like yeah i'll do this one this one this one sure and then how when he came to me uh or when we had the meetings of like when they were trying to let us know what they were thinking about casting wise he was like so i'm gonna i've realized that we have given you or we're thinking about you for a role that you did not mention at all that you wanted and I recognize that, but I also think that you're really going to like it, Cody. And I was like, okay, cool. That's great. Let's, let's go for it. Um, and, yeah, I just didn't, didn't really connect with him on the page or the first time I read it. And then reading it again and a, a couple more times and then talking was, like, still kind of, like, I don't know about this guy. He's not really – he has, like, one kind of good moment near the end of the act, but he just didn't mm-hmm. really fit – I don't know, just mm-hmm. – just, just felt weird about it. And then I learned more and more about who he was and talking with Amanda and through that whole process and it just became a really amazing role. So that whole that whole process and the role was definitely a highlight. Um, another one is Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. This is, I'm just very, very proud of this scene design. Um, it was an absolute beast and almost took me down with it, but, <laughs> uh, but, and, and there's, there's a couple of things that as, as any artist and scene designer, like I didn't quite get, you know, I really wanted the, the, the cracking mm-hmm. of the paint treatment. I really, really wanted that, but it's yeah. fine. I was able to let it go. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, um, but I'm glad that you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of one of those timing things. It was yeah. like, ah, uh, we ran out of time and maybe if I had thought about it ahead of time, I would have like we could have primed everything with white to then go back over with red and like there's ways that we could have made it happen but it's fine it looks yeah. beautiful as is yeah. um and it's very very compelling i don't know if you, you've seen the pictures at least but mm-hmm. being being in the audience for that when the, just the presence of those two structures when you all are moving around and when you come slink out from up top in the platform it works yeah. tuning my own horn it works beautifully <laughs> and i'm very very happy with that set um and I guess is my debut professional scenic design. So 
that's cool. Um, and then the third... The third is probably a time. I'm just going to say four. Um, <laughs> the third would be uh, the props design for Death Trap, because that uh, that's the first professional props design that I've done. Um, and it was another just monster of a props show because of mm -hmm. Death Trap, what it is. But it was really interesting working with um, Aaron uh, really closely and, and just like both of us hashing out what the, what the weapons needed to be, what they could be. Uh, what's more period, what would actually work in this functional situation. Um, uh, you talk, um, emailing back and forth about different sources for, for different weapons, and he, and he would be like, ooh, I've used that one before, I don't like that company, don't, don't use them. And like all these, all these different things, it was like, oh wow, I absolutely would have bought from them because they weren't even the cheapest option. I thought they were like a good middle ground, oops. Uh, <laughs> um, so that, and then I built a, a which is essentially a LARPing mace for the show, which was fun. Oh, Never yes. done that before. So that was cool. And that was like a very last, which was, it was stressful in the moment because I had what I would argue was a mace already in the set dressing. And then there was an audience member who said, well, I think technically that's fla that's a flail. And I'm like, well, it's a mace flail, but I don't, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> so now I will so change So now it. we have to make a mace. And so I built that thing in 18 hours. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which was absolutely nuts. Yeah. But we did it, and it looks beautiful. And it worked great the whole time. And it was really awesome for Jeremy to be able to reference this giant thing <laughs> right behind his yeah. head. Um, and then the other thing I would say was the, the um, Alice in Winter Wonderland, the, specifically the White Knight. It was just very fun to be a clown on stage. And that was the first show mm -hmm. that Lori and I got to be in s since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So that was special for that, yeah. for that oh, reason. Yeah, that. Just mm -hmm. to like <laughs> come into theater, back into theater. Well, I mean, we've been here for a few months, you know, in the world and like mm -hmm. adjacent. But then to to get back on the stage and back into a process, and then it also be such a silly, silly project. So there were no rules, and so that was a great, just uncuffing of like, oh, okay, let's just squeeze every bit of ridiculousness back out, and get all the wackiness out, and then we can go into a serious role like Edmund. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's super fun. I think one thing that I. Like with the Jekyll and Hyde set. It's a beautiful set. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's so fun. I think one thing that I struggle with that you, I don't know if you relate to or not, but mm -hmm. it's like my idea not matching up with the reality of mm -hmm. what can happen. An example is like, I was so excited to use the ladder because I just... You yeah. know, I was like, I get to climb down it, I get to jump off of it, whatever. I can have my little acrobatic moment. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't very feasible because the costume change was too quick. And I didn't have time to go up the ladder that's backstage and then enter on top of the platform. Yeah. So we modified it, and now I'm entering from underneath the platform, and I still kind of get my cool little, like, right. creepy moment, which I am excited about. But are there things kind of like that, specifically with the Jekyll and Hyde process, where you had to change your expectations of a thing because mm -hmm. it just wasn't as doable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, as with, as with many designs, probably, probably mostly scenic designs, but also sound and lighting as well, there's 30 drafts 
and then the one that the audience sees is the one that got ripped up to shreds and crumbled and thrown away and restarted and redone and then like oh okay let's bring that element back into it um so case in point my one of my original um, ideas for the concept of this design was to have um for, for lack of a more technical term, essentially meat curtains hanging. Oh my God, whoa. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, which kind of ended up getting utilized, I'll, I'll say at the end. But um, what I was really drawn to when I was reading the script was just the uh, how to scenically bring in the fogginess of London mm -hmm. without haze on stage for many reasons. They're just like... Personally, I've yet to, even in large houses of like, Hayes isn't always 100% successful. Mm -hmm. And then knowing in a place like here, I've never seen it done, but I'm like, it's probably going to be pretty difficult for us to do it well uh -huh. at the, at the common wheel. Sure. So I was just instinctively trying, and also just like, oh, I want to try to do something different, which is just where my brain goes in general. Um, it's kind of my um, go-to thought is how can I do it different? <laughs> uh, but so I was really drawn to the idea of like warehouse really thick curtains, uh, plastic hanging from the grid mm -hmm. that could also kind of add as like a, a void space, mm -hmm. which is what we accomplished with the curtain. Mm -hmm. um, the, our, we have a big, for the listeners who haven't seen the show yet, we have a, a really large um, arcing curtain unit that get that slides that's functional opens and closes on stage and so that helps to create like a kind of a void space that we utilize in the production of Jekyll um, hanging out in there when he's in his trance or Hyde um, kind of talking to Jekyll from his mind space and so that was like a concept of like ooh the mind space this is a place mm -hmm. this is a show that has to have places in it where Jekyll is in the scene but it, or he's on stage but he's not in the scene same for Hyde if we can give those kind of looks because you know it's argued whether this whole play takes place in Jekyll's mind or just in the minds of all these different characters because it's a memory play that you know the diary of enter a character's name um, and then we go into that little scene there so that was really um, it really kind of broke the chains of like uh, yeah we want to be in Victorian England but we can't be in any one specific place because this is nobody's memory is exactly the same. Um, and so, yeah, so it went from the, like the voids of the curtains and then it became, Ooh, those are not going to be, those are going to be very, very expensive. So we're not going to do that. And then I was like, all right, all right, not if, if I can't do that, the, the rolling door unit was always going to be involved because it just, you just have to have a door unit for this show. And so then I was like, okay, so if we have this door unit, I can't have this kind of stuff. So maybe fabric, fabric's the idea. Cool. So then I went to having um, having a nice curtain unit that we have, and then um, in our final the final draft, um, Paul and I collaborated to create those the lighting slashes that are oh, in the yeah. that are going mm -hmm. across the psych, um, and that is essentially in lieu of an idea that I had of using what is the same fabric that the curtain's on, and I really think it would have worked, but it's fine, um, and, and having them explode out of the, the set. Oh. Um, so, mm -hmm. like, how the, the, the stage, what, the big platform unit, how it comes to that point, the original idea was that from that point, there was going to be fabric exploding up into the, oh, up into the grid, mm -hmm. which would have been absolutely beautiful, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, because... 
I was I didn't realize, and I, I'm very very happy with with the effect that the the lighting slashes that Paul was able to bring in. Um, just another element of collaborating with your other designers to create the things that might be in your dreamscape that you can't quite create, um, whether budgetary or because of change. Another obstacle for the possible fabric exploding out of the set was changeovers. It's like was work, you know, working with Jackie, if she's like, I'm not saying no, I just want you to know that, that is, you're, you're adding in hardness to our changeover. Like, yeah, I know, I know, but I'm the one doing the changeover. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, there was just a real, there was a real element of, of me wanting the set to be kind of pouring out over and into the audience so that, and I, we, it's not doing that as is, but the idea of doing that was to what having like the fabric coming out over the audience or we even had the idea Mark and I the director had the idea of um, maybe having certain uh, scenic, scenic elements that were uh, hanging above the audience so like they are in the story and that was the idea of like this is a story it's a memory play this is the the audience is the jury and you're not and also I have always had this this thought with this show in particular of like this is not, I wanted this to be something that people felt really pulled into and not that they could just sit back and watch and like, oh, this isn't me. No, no, no. We all have had these thoughts in some, you know, this is an extreme version of all of our thoughts. And so yeah. like you all, if I, if I could just pull people in to the what is going on up there and, or, or like have them feel like they're a part of this living, breathing production, that was my goal. And I think we've got, I think we did it. I think we yeah. got there. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. I've been working front of house shifts, hearing some, it's, you know, I get really delighted if I'm in the lobby and I hear a whoa <laughs> when they walk into the theater. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. when, I, <laughs> when I saw the show with my mom last weekend, like that entire audience, just the entire time was just like, oh my God, yeah. wow, this is crazy. <laughs> I will say, yeah. Af when you brought up those meat curtains in whatever production meeting it was, yeah. I was like, that is so genius, and I'm going to find a way to find a show that I can put those things in my scenic design. I'm, yeah. It's <laughs> like, still, it's logged back here. It's going to be used sometime. Like, He's I remember scrolling first. down the dock of your Inspo photos, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God. That is brilliant. Yeah. Just a really cool way to, I don't know. And then Paul had some feelings, or lighting designer had some feelings of, like, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to light that. And I'm like, I don't think you can light it. It's fine. <laughs> In my mind, it's the Lady Gaga meat dress. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what you're imagining. Uh -huh. Just like red Just meat hanging yeah. from the uh, grid. So you don't have to say specific shows, mm -hmm. and we can yeah. And this will be our segue to the end, but like. What are you design-wise and like are you for for next season? Oh, do you want to design more? Do you want to act mm -hmm. more? Do you want to branch into other designs? Kind of a mix of all, I would say. I mean, I would say there's um there's a couple of shows that I'm like just more interested in in general and uh, I do think of myself as an actor first, mm -hmm. um, an actor who designs. So I like it's it's a little bit hard internally because I'm like, oh yeah, I want to be in that show, and then they uh, for me I also put in my design things. And I'm like, well, 
I want to be in that show, but I guess if I can't be in that show, then I'll design this part. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but I, mm, probably maybe more leaning towards acting for next season. Um, with it, yeah, with just a couple of designs, and I, yeah, I've I've put in as a as a scenic designer for one, and then as a because I did lighting and sound, I was like, I'd really like to do those again, so mm -hmm. I put my name in there for that to fill in that role if it needs to be done. Work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's fun. <laughs> That's very exciting. Okay. Yeah. Well, well sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sometimes when I get in here and we're doing podcast episodes, I'm like, I just want to pick this person's brain forever. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to be able to ask everything and anything about mm -hmm. your time in theater. But yeah. I mean, I like to allow myself at least one question where I can just ask whatever I want. And I already did. It was the cowboy. <laughs> the cowboy. <laughs> you can ask another if you have another, but that's fine. I do have another. <laughs> questions that are like personality questions that cool. I ask people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this can be your final thing. Okay. So you have to imagine that the scenario I'm about to present to you is real. It's happening right in front of your eyes. I okay. knew you were going to do this one. <laughs> <laughs> Synth is it's like, not a game. <laughs> uh, so you are currently in the cockpit of an airplane and the door to the cockpit is locked. It's a commercial airline, okay. so and it's in flight. There are people who are flying on this plane. Mm -hmm. The door is locked, but inside the cockpit is the pilot who is passed out on the ground. He oh. may be dead. Okay. You don't know. Okay. Also, there is a monkey, and the monkey tells you through its gestures and its monkey noises that yeah. it can fly the plane. Okay. So do you let the monkey fly, or do you fly? Can I ask a question? Sure. How far, how close are we to the ground? Um, you're mid-flight, let's say you're driving from, driving. Driving, <laughs> let's say you're flying from like Seattle to New York. Okay, well, the, so mid-flight, we're not like careening towards the ground, no. we're just, the, yeah, the pilot going. passed out. But you're going to have to land at yeah, some point. Yeah, we have yeah. to land, yeah. Hmm, do I have communications with ground control? Uh... No. <laughs> no. Ooh, okay, well, that's good. Because if I did, then I was just going to radio them and ask them if the monkey could fly the plane. <laughs> uh, so I don't have no, no ground control. Um, I think I would let the monkey at least try it out for a while. Because mm -hmm. if we're mid-flight, then I could see what they're doing. And if they're just kind of playing around, then like, nope. Get out of the seat. Yeah. Now, I'll, now I'll figure it out. Um, although, I don't know. Maybe I would fly. Knowing myself. <laughs> yeah, realistically. I mean, well, if you think about it like that, I think everyone probably would just get in the seat themselves. Because it's an I actual, think, it's a literal monkey. I think I would sit, yeah, I think I would sit in the seat myself. Because, well, one of just morbid curiosity, wanting to be able to fly a plane honestly, uh, and like, and my own hubris, like, I can do this, uh, 
Classic. <laughs> if, a, if a monkey can do this, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. I might believe the monkey and still be like, oh, that's more reason that I can do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm a man. <laughs> um, I'm the evolved yeah. version. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I'd like to think that I would give the monkey a chance. Oh, is it a monkey or an ape? It's, like, is it, uh, like, is it a chimpanzee gosh. or is it a baboon? You know? Uh-huh. I sometimes people will ask me this and I never know what to say. In my mind, it's just a generic black monkey. Okay. You know, just kind of fuzzy, medium sized. Medium sized monkey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't even know what the official title of that is. Maybe a chimp. Probably well, a chimp is an ape. That's why that's the mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you think it if you th- if your mind is more of like a chimp, so that would be an ape, I would let the ape fly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why wouldn't you let a monkey fly it? Because they're a little bit less evolved. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. A- apes are a little bit closer to us. <laughs> you look into their eyes and like, oh my gosh, you're you're thinking thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in there? <laughs> <laughs> Not that monkeys aren't also, but but yeah, I mean, we apes have flown in space, so they can do things. Mm-hmm. They can fly. Um, of course, so does the dog, I guess. But anyway. Um, yeah, I think that's. That's a okay, well so, thought out answer. So how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. So in my experience, when I ask this question to people, yeah, um, <laughs> people who identify as men will usually fly the plane themselves, because I I think. Hubris. But. I, I think also it's it tells you a lot about a person because like how much do they believe in themselves? Mm-hmm. How much confidence in themselves do they have? And how much do they believe in animal rights? <laughs> like, yeah. And the evolution of animals and animal consciousness animal and things consciousness. like that. Right. Yeah. That would yeah, that, I think that would be another it would be another facet to it of whether it was an ape or a monkey, uh, like how um clear its gestures were mm-hmm. like right. you know because even if it can't know specific sign language but if it was clearly gesturing then that would be more like okay yeah, you know what you're it. doing no, go yeah. for it that was literally my reasoning yeah. i was like yeah. if this monkey got me to understand yeah. that it feels like it can fly the plane <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it yeah. fly. And I'll like, be the co-pilot. Yeah. We'll both have our hands yeah. on the sticks. No, we'll both do it. Like, yeah. if the monkey all of a sudden just starts going down, then I'll push the monkey <laughs> off and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll start with the monkey. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, That's Cody. <laughs> thank um, you. Yeah, it's been super fun, and yeah. I've learned more about you, including that you like to wear beanies and you would. Maybe let the monkey fly, and also maybe fly yourself. <laughs> well, there's two. There's a co-pilot and a, pilot and a, and a, pilot and a co-pilot, yeah. so we could both fly it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for talking with us today, Cody. Yeah. It was great. It was lots of fun. Thank yeah. you both. This is wonderful. Our next episode will be with longtime members of the Commonweal Resident Ensemble, Stella and Adrian.
If you have topics you'd like to hear about or suggestions and feedback, shoot us an email at josie at commonwealtheater.org or synth.gonzalez at commonwealtheater.org. We release episodes bi-weekly and you can listen to them on Spotify, Red Circle, or our website, commonwealtheater.org. See you next time.